homily seven of homilies on ephesians by st john chrysostom this librivox recording is in the public domain homily seven chapter three verses eight through eleven unto me who am less than the least of all saints was this grace given to preach unto the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ and to make all men see what is the dispensation of the mystery which from all ages hath been hid in god who created all things to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places might be made known through the church the manifold wisdom of god according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in christ jesus our lord they who go to the physicians have not merely to go there and nothing further they have to learn how to treat themselves and to apply remedies and so with us then who come here we must not do this and nothing else we must learn our lesson the surpassing lowliness of paul what when he was about to speak of the vastness of the grace of god hear what he saith unto me who am less than the least of all saints was this grace given lowliness indeed it was even to bewail his former sins although blotted out and to make mention of them and to hold himself within his true measure as where he calls himself a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious yet nothing was equal to this for formerly saith he such was i and again he calls himself one born out of due time but that after so many great and good deeds and at that time he should thus humble himself and call himself less than the least of all this is indeed great and surpassing moderation to one who am less than the least of all saints he saith not than the apostles so that that expression is less strong than this before us there his words are i am not me to be called an apostle here he says that he is even less than the least of all saints to me saith he who am less than the least of all saints was this grace given what grace to preach unto the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ and to make all men see what is the dispensation of the mystery which from all ages hath been hid in god who created all things to the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places might be made known through the church the manifold wisdom of god true to man it was not revealed and art thou enlightening angels and archangels and principalities and powers i am saith he for it was hid in god even in god who created all things and dost thou venture to utter this i do saith he but whence hath this been made manifest to the angels by the church again he saith not merely the manifold pikilos but the much manifold polypikilos wisdom that is the multiplied and varied what then is this did not angels know it no nothing of it 
for if principalities knew it not much less could angels ever have known it what then did not even archangels know it no nor even they but whence were they going to know it who was to reveal it when we were taught it then were they also by us for hear what the angel saith to joseph thou shalt call his name jesus for it is he that shall save his people from their sins paul himself was sent to the gentiles the other apostles to the circumcision so that the more marvellous and astonishing commission was given saith he to me who am less than the least and this too was of grace that he that was least should have the greatest things entrusted to him that he should be made the herald of these tidings for he that is made a herald of the greater things is in this way great to preach unto the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ if his riches are unsearchable and that too after his appearing much more is his essence if it is still a mystery much more was it before it was made known for a mystery he calls it on this account because neither did the angels know it nor was it manifest to any one else and to make all men see saith he what is the dispensation of the mystery which from all ages hath been hid in god who created all things angels knew only this that the lord's portion was his people and again it is said the prince of persia withstood me so that it is nothing to be wondered at that they were ignorant of this for if they were ignorant of the circumstances of the return from the captivity much more would they be of these things for this is the gospel it is he that shall save it saith his people not a word about the gentiles but what concerns the gentiles the spirit revealeth that they were called indeed the angels knew but that it was to the same privileges as israel yea even to sit upon the throne of god this who would ever have expected who would ever have believed which hath been hid saith he in god this dispensation however he more clearly unfolds in the epistle to the romans in god he continues who created all things by jesus christ and he does well to say by jesus christ forasmuch as he who created all things by him revealeth also this by him for he hath made nothing without him for without him it is said was not anything made in speaking of principalities and powers he speaks both of those above and those beneath according to the eternal purpose it hath been now he means brought to pass but not now decreed it had been planned beforehand from the very first according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in christ jesus our lord that is according to the eternal foreknowledge for knowing the things to come that is he means the ages to come 
for he knew what was to be and thus decreed it according to the purpose of the ages of those perhaps which he hath made by christ jesus because it was by christ that everything was made verse twelve in whom we have saith he boldness and access and confidence through our faith in him have access not as prisoners he says nor yet as persons candidates for pardon nor as sinners for saith he we have even boldness with confidence that is accompanied with cheerful trust arising from what source through our faith in him verse thirteen wherefore i ask that ye faint not at my tribulations for you which are your glory how is it for them how is it their glory it is because god so loved them as to give even the son for them and to afflict his servants for them for it was in order that they might attain so many blessings that paul was in prison surely this was from god's exceeding love towards them it is what god also saith concerning the prophets i have slain them by the words of my mouth but how was it that they fainted when another was afflicted he means they were troubled were distressed this also he says when writing to the thessalonians that no man be moved by these afflictions for not only ought we not to grieve but we ought even to rejoice if ye find consolation in the forewarning we tell you beforehand that here we have tribulation and why pray because thus hath the lord ordered verses fourteen and fifteen for this cause i bow my knees unto the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named he here shows the spirit of his prayer for them he does not say simply i pray but manifests the supplication to be heartfelt by the bowing of the knees from whom every family that is no longer he means reckoned according to the number of angels but according to him who hath created the tribes both in heaven above and in earth beneath not as the jewish verses sixteen and seventeen that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory that ye may be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inward man that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith mark with what insatiable earnestness he invokes these blessings upon them that they may not be tossed about but how shall this be effected by the holy spirit in your inward man that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith how again shall this be verses eighteen and nineteen to the end that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of christ which passeth knowledge thus is his prayer now again the very same as when he began for what were his words in the beginning that the god of our lord jesus christ 
the father of glory may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what the exceeding greatness of his power to us were to believe and now again he says the same that ye may be strong to apprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth that is to say to know perfectly the mystery which hath been providentially ordered in our behalf and the breadth and length and height and depth that is to the immensity of the love of god and how it extends everywhere and he outlines it by the visible dimensions of solid bodies pointing as it were to a man he comprehends the upper and under and sides i have thus spoken indeed he would say yet is it not for any words of mine to teach you these things that must be the work of the holy spirit by his might saith he is it that ye must be strengthened against the trials that await you and in order to remain unshaken so that there is no other way to be strengthened but by the holy ghost both on account of trials and carnal reasonings but how doth christ dwell in the hearts hear what christ himself saith i and my father will come unto him and make our abode with him he dwelleth in those hearts that are faithful in those that are rooted in his love those that remain firm and unshaken that ye may be thoroughly strong saith he so that there is great strength needed that ye may be filled unto all the fullness of god what he means is this although the love of christ lies above the reach of all human knowledge yet shall ye know it if ye shall have christ dwelling in you yea not only shall you know from him this but shall even be filled unto all the fullness of god meaning by the fullness of god either the knowledge how god is worshipped in the father the son and the holy ghost or else urging them thus to use every effort in order to be filled with all virtue of which god is full verse twenty now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us that god hath done abundantly above all that we ask or think is evident from what the apostle himself hath written for i indeed saith he pray but he of himself even without any prayer of mine will do works greater than all we ask not simply greater nor abundantly greater but exceeding abundantly and this is evident from the power that worketh in us for neither did we ever ask these things nor did we expect them verse twenty one unto him be the glory he concludes in the church and in christ jesus unto all generations for ever and ever amen well does he close the discourse with prayer and doxology 
for right were it that he who hath bestowed upon us such vast gifts should be glorified and blessed so that this is even a proper part of our amazement at his mercies to give glory for the things advanced to us at god's hands through jesus christ the glory in the church well might he say this forasmuch as the church alone can last on to eternity it seems necessary to state what are meant by families patria here on earth indeed there are families that is races sprung from one parent's stock but in heaven how can this be where none is born of another surely then by families he means either the assemblies and orders of heavenly beings as also we find it written in scripture the family of amatari or else that it is from him from whom earthly fathers have their name of father however he does not ask the whole of god but demands of them also faith and love and not simply love but love rooted and grounded so that neither any blast can shake it nor anything else overturn it he had said that tribulations are glory and if mine are so to you he would say much more will your own be so that to be afflicted is no token of men being forsaken for he who hath wrought so great things for us never would do this again if in order to understand the love of god it was necessary for paul to pray and there was need of the indwelling of the holy spirit who by following mere reasonings shall understand the nature of christ and why is it a difficult thing to learn that god loveth us beloved it is extremely difficult for some know not even this wherefore they even say numberless evils come to be in the world and others know not the extent of this love nor indeed is paul seeking to know its extent nor with any view to measure it for how could he but only to understand this that it is transcendent and great and this very thing he says he is able to show even from the knowledge which hath been vouchsafed to us however what is higher than the being strengthened with might in order to have christ within vast are the things we ask saith he yet he is able to do above even them so that not only doth he love us but doth so intensely be it our care therefore beloved to understand the love of god a great thing indeed is this nothing is so beneficial to us nothing so deeply touches us more availing this to convince our souls than the fear of hell itself whence then shall we understand it both from the sources now mentioned and from the things which happen every day for from what motive have these things been done for us from what necessity on his part none whatever over and over again he lays down love as the cause but the highest degree of love is that where men receive a benefit without any prior service on their part to call for it moral and let us then be followers of him let us do good to our enemies 
to them that hate us. Let us draw near to those who turn their backs upon us. This renders us like unto God. For if ye love them that love you, saith Christ, what reward have ye? Do not even the Gentiles the same? But what is a sure proof of love? To love him that hates thee. I wish to give you some example. Pardon me, and since I find it not among them that are spiritual, I shall quote an instance from them that are without. See ye not those lovers? How many insults are wreaked upon them by their mistresses? How many artifices practiced? How many punishments inflicted? Yet they are enchained to them. They burn for them, and love them better than their own souls, passing whole nights before their thresholds. From them let us take our example, not indeed to love such as those, women, I mean, that are harlots, no, but thus to love our enemies. For tell me, do not harlots treat their lovers with greater insolence than all the enemies in the world, and squander away their substance, and cast insult in their face, and impose upon them more servile tasks than upon their own menials? And yet still they desist not, though no one hath so great an enemy in any one as the lover and his mistress. Yea, this beloved one disdains, and reviles, and oftentimes maltreats him, and the more she is loved, the more she scorns him. And what can be more brutal than a spirit like this? Yet, notwithstanding, he loves her still. But possibly we shall find love like this in spiritual characters also, not in those of our day, for it has waxed cold, but in those great and glorious men of old. Moses, the blessed Moses, surpassed even those that love with human passion. How, and in what way? First, he gave up the court, and the luxury, and the retinue, and the glory attending it, and chose rather to be with the Israelites. Yet is this not only what no one else would ever have done, but would have even been ashamed, were another to have discovered him, of being found to be a kinsman of men, who were slaves, and not only slaves, but were looked upon as even execrable. Yet was he not only not ashamed of his kindred, but with all his spirit defended them, and threw himself into dangers for their sake. How? Seeing, it is said, one doing an injury to one of them, he defended him that suffered the injury, and slew him that inflicted it. But this was not as yet for the sake of enemies. Great indeed is this act of itself, but not so great as that which comes afterwards. The next day, then, he saw the same thing taking place, and when he saw him whom he had defended doing his neighbor wrong, he admonished him to desist from his wrongdoing. But he said, with great ingratitude, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Who would not have taken fire at these words? Had then the former act been that of passion and frenzy, then would he have smitten and killed this man also. For surely he on whose behalf it was done never would have informed against him. But because they were brethren, it is said, he spoke thus. 
when he the hebrew was being wronged he uttered no such word who made thee a ruler and a judge over us wherefore saidst thou not this yesterday moses would say thy injustice and thy cruelty these make me a ruler and a judge but now mark how that some in fact say as much even to god himself whenever they are wronged indeed they would have him a god of vengeance and complain of his long-suffering but when themselves do wrong not for a moment however what could be more bitter than words like these and yet notwithstanding after this when he was sent to that ungrateful to that thankless race he went and shrunk not back yea and after those miracles and after the wonders wrought by his hand oftentimes they sought to stone him to death and he escaped out of their hands they kept murmuring too incessantly and yet still notwithstanding so passionately did he love them as to say to god when they had committed that heinous sin yet now if thou wilt forgive forgive their sin and if not blot even me also out of the book which thou hast written fain would i perish saith he with them rather than without them be saved here verily is love even to madness verily unbounded love what sayest thou moses art thou regardless of heaven i am saith he for i love those who have wronged me prayest thou to be blotted out yea saith he what can i do for it is love and what again after these things hear what the scripture saith elsewhere and it went ill with moses for their sakes how often did they wax wanton how often did they reject both himself and his brother how often did they seek to return back to egypt and yet after all these things did he burn yea was beside himself with love for them and was ready to suffer for their sakes thus ought a man to love his enemies by lamentation by unwearied endurance by doing everything by showing all favour to aim at their salvation and what again tell me did paul did he not ask even to be accursed in their stead but the great pattern we must of necessity derive from the lord for thus doth he also himself where he saith for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good adducing the example from his father but we from christ himself he came unto them in his incarnation i mean and became a servant for their sakes he humbled himself he emptied himself he took the form of a servant and when he came unto them he went not himself aside into any way of the gentiles and gave the same charge to his disciples and not only so but he went about healing all manner of disease and all manner of sickness and what then all the rest indeed were astonished and marvelled and said whence then hath this man all these things but these 
the objects of his beneficence these said he hath a devil and blasphemeth and is mad and is a deceiver did he therefore cast them away no in no wise but when he heard these things he even yet more signally bestowed his benefits upon them and went straightway to them that were about to crucify him to the intent that he might but only save them and after he was crucified what were his words father forgive them for they know not what they do both cruelly treated before this and cruelly treated after this even to the very latest breath for them he did everything in their behalf he prayed yea and after the cross itself what did he not do for their sakes did he not send apostles did he not work miracles did he not shake the whole world thus is it we ought to love our enemies thus to imitate christ thus did paul stoned suffering unnumbered cruelties yet did he all things for their good hear his own words my heart's desire and my supplication to god is for them that they may be saved and again for i bear them witness that they have a zeal for god and again if thou being a wild olive-tree was grafted in how much more shall these be grafted into their own olive-tree how tender thinkest thou must be the affection from which these expressions proceed how vast the benevolence it is impossible to express it impossible thus is it we ought to love our enemies this is to love god who hath enjoined it who hath given it as his law to imitate him is to love our enemy consider it is not thine enemy thou art benefiting but thyself thou art not loving him but art obeying god knowing therefore these things let us confirm our love one to another that we may perform this duty perfectly and attain those good things that are promised in christ jesus our lord with whom to the father together with the holy ghost be glory might and honour now and for ever and ever amen End of homily seventh.